Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mankind has been in a great identity crisis since the fall of man. When we became separated from our union and our fellowship with the God who had created us. Separation from God left men and women at a great disadvantage to truly know and understand who they really are. And to truly come to the peace that only comes by settling into our truest identity, our truest selves. We've been in an identity crisis. And when we cannot comprehend, when we can't grasp our true identity, it leads to a great restlessness in every individual person. Because you see, we were created to truly know who we are, to understand our true identity and the very value and the great value of our creation. And how? <coughs> By coming to know God every day of our existence and into eternity. By knowing God, we come to know ourselves. Therefore, there is always a very real yearning in every person to pursue the discovery of their true identity. But the problem is this. Apart from knowing God, apart from growing in that relationship of knowing God, one can never know nor be at peace with their true identity because we were created so beautifully and spectacularly in His image and by His design that by walking in fellowship with Him, not only created in His image, but to grow in the likeness of our Creator, to grow in the virtues of God, His very nature, and then to be able to live from our true self, to live from the nature that He shared with us. Before we get into a couple of the scriptures, one from St. Paul and one from our epistle from St. James today, we need a little background so that we understand the message that they're trying to get us. It has everything to do with experiencing God towards truly growing into our true selves and finding that peace that comes from becoming that very self. And what I need to share with you is about Moses. When he spent all of his time on the top of Mount Sinai receiving the law, Moses was on the top of the mountain with the God who had manifested his presence to Moses. Moses heard God's voice. Moses beheld God's glory. The very glory of God himself absolutely, totally enveloped the mountaintop, including Moses. And Moses saw and he experienced the glory of God so profoundly, so majestically, so much so that when Moses descended from the mountain, his face was shining with the glory of God. It was showing forth the radiance that Moses had beheld on the top of the mountain because the glory of God from Moses' time with God, the glory of God had become imprinted on Moses himself. So much so that when he descended the mountain, the people saw his face glowing and became afraid. They had no idea what was going on, but Moses' face was radiating with the glory of God. And so Moses veiled his face so that the people 
people would be at ease. With that in mind, listen to what St. Paul tells the church of Corinth in his second letter, 2 Corinthians in chapter 3, because what he is teaching them is so vital to how we understand how we can come to settle into the true identity that we've been created to become by knowing God. St. Paul says this, but we all with unveiled face. Now Moses had to veil his face to douse the glory of God because of the people. St. Paul is saying no longer, we with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Get the picture. St. Paul is saying, just like Moses, when we spend time sitting before our God in fellowship with Him, beholding Him in His nature, His virtues, and in His glory, we're seeing our true selves in that mirror, and we are being transformed into what we're looking at from glory to glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord that is active within us. Please get this picture, this image set in words into your minds and hearts. Moses had an encounter with God and from that fellowship with God shared his glory with Moses. It was a natural result of God making himself present with Moses and Moses going up to meet with God. And when the people saw Moses, they saw the glory of God. And St. Paul is telling each of us, how much more do we, now being filled with the Holy Spirit, able to fellowship with God like Moses on the top of the mountain every moment of our lives, how much more do we have that Moses didn't have back then? Because the separation of man and woman from God has come to an end because of Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. And because we are joined to him and given the opportunity for that true fellowship to sit before him, to behold him, for him to share himself, to reveal himself with us. How much more transformed are we more and more into his glory, into his nature as we behold him in those times of fellowship. In other words, as we sit and gaze upon God, He truly reveals Himself to us. And we can finally grow in the peace and the joy-giving knowledge of our true identity, our truest created self, because we are becoming what we're created to be, like our Heavenly Father. And this brings us back to both our epistle reading from last week, but also the epistle reading this week, because both were from St. James in chapter 1. Last week you heard these words, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. And we talked about what the Father of lights meant. You remember, the Father who illuminates all, the Father who illuminates us, that shines the radiance of himself and his nature into our lives so that we behold who he is and we see how perhaps we are not like that in various ways. And he shows us these things because he intends to bring us within himself to heal the ways we are not like him. And by receiving that revelation, we find the healing of our lives and the growing into becoming like our God. St. James speaks to that today. 
There's a question that's presented to us. So if we have these times with God where God reveals himself to us and his nature with us, the question is, what do we do with that nature? What do we do with the things God has revealed to us in our lives? Do we participate in the nature that we've been shown and that we've been given? Or do we walk away forgetting and denying and going our own way? St. James speaks to that further along in St. James chapter 1, our epistle reading today, when he says this. Be doers of the word. But what's the word? The word is Jesus Christ, the word of God. The God, the Christ who shares his mind and his nature and his order with us as we've been speaking about. Be doers of that word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. There we have this language again, the same as St. Paul. He's like a man observing his natural face, his natural self in a mirror, for he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he truly is. Have you ever thought about this reality? And I encourage you to do so. That when we look upon Christ, we look upon ourselves. When we look upon Christ, we look upon everything that God has given us the Holy Spirit to become. My friends, this is why in the iconography of the church. If you take an iconographer's work and you look at the icon of our Lord Jesus Christ and look at his face, and then you look at all of the other icons that iconographer has written, and you see all the other saints, whether they're men or women, bearded or not bearded, they share the exact same face of Jesus Christ. This is precisely why they are saints. They are examples for us because they live their life gazing upon God. They live their life in such fellowship with God that the imprint of who he is became the very nature of their own existence. And those who came across them, they didn't experience their humanity. They experienced God's divinity and his love and the opportunity for them to become like him as well. The icons of the saints share the face of the icon of our Lord Jesus Christ. And right there, even where St. James is <clears throat> teaching, we see again how we get to our true identity through this relationship with God. Because he says, if he is a hearer but not a doer of the word, he's like a man observing his natural face. His natural person right before him. And he beholds God. And my friends, those who live in this fellowship with God, those who allow God to reveal himself as he so desires to do with, they do become transformed in their image. And when we are transformed into the image and likeness of our God, when that occurs, then all of the restlessness of our identity crisis, he exchanges for the peace and the rest that comes from the deep knowing of him and from deeply knowing him truly relaxing into who he has created us to be and allowing him to continue that handiwork of making us like him so that we may enjoy him forever and for this world so that this world might see the radiance of the nature of God shining through us when 
we depart the mountain and come back down into it. You know, even last week we mentioned the fact in talking about the order of God and the disorders that are all in the world apart from God. We mentioned how our culture is so rapidly descending. It's nothing new under the sun, but the, our culture is rapidly descending into becoming a culture of individual self-definition. That, that who we are emanates from how we feel or what we think we should be. And we see this in obvious ways, but there are many not obvious ways. We see this in obvious ways where God in his handiwork has crafted a man in his mother's womb. And because of this great identity crisis and the absence of God, this man grows up in great confusion and decides, no, I'm not a man, I'm a woman. And we see the opposite truth where women, God creates them, knits them together in their mother's womb. And through this grand, incredible, horrific identity crisis, decide I'm not as God created me to be. And we even have now in our culture, and again, believe it or not, this is nothing new. Those who don't even see themselves as either, but the non-binary is what you're hearing out there, that there is no distinction between male and female. My friends, all of these souls and all of these self-definitions, they emanate from this great identity crisis. How does the church respond to those who are claiming these identities by self-definition? We mourn. We mourn with the love of God. We mourn over the turmoil that they're in and that there is no fix to their turmoil apart from God. And they do not have him right now. And we take on God's great heart of compassion because their souls are restless. They're in turmoil. And apart from God, there will be a lifelong trying to figure out who they are that will constantly fail and lead them to greater confusion. Because, my friends, the absence of God in our lives and our lives will lend itself to the unbecoming of the human. If God is not present and if we are not presenting ourselves to God, availing ourselves to that fellowship, our true identity will be found diminishing. And we will encounter and endure in our lives the restlessness of spirit. The restlessness of the soul. But let God be present. And present yourselves to him. Like that face in the mirror. Where his nature and glory shines forth. And shows us our true self. Then we live a life of ever becoming. And our souls settle into that peace of existing. As we were always created to be. Let us be a people who engage the presence and fellowship of God that we may find ourselves like him and coming down from every mountain of experience, glorifying him with his nature coming through us. For Christ is risen. Indeed, Jesus. Christ is risen. Indeed, Jesus. Christ is risen.